The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. Major U.S. retail and restaurant chains like Subway, the Cheesecake Factory, and Urban Outfitters are not quibbling about it. They will not be paying rent while their restaurants and stores are shuttered. The threat of a ripple effect across the real estate sector is looming, with the worst-case scenario being banks calling in loans and repossessing assets. Joining me is Andrew Rossman, a partner at Quinn Emanuel. How bad is the situation from what you're hearing from your clients? Well, for retail clients, it's pretty severe. They have no foot traffic. Obviously, their stores are shuttered. And they're looking to the question of whether they can get uh, complete relief or some relief from their landlords or, if necessary, from the government or other sources. Tell us what usually happens when a commercial tenant can't make the rent. What do the landlord and tenant usually do? Well, leases are frequently written to be pretty protective of landlords. So landlords have a variety of means to get the rent paid. Sometimes it can be drawing down on a letter of credit, for example, and it can also include eviction of the tenant for failure to pay, and it can happen pretty quickly in the event of a non-payment of rent. Here, what we've got is a situation where tenants may have some pretty unusual and potentially strong excuses under the law for paying or for forbearing. How often do landlords negotiate with tenants in commercial situations and commercial leases when tenants aren't able to pay the rent? Well, it depends on the size of the lease and the term. So what we've seen here recently is, it was publicized, so I can say it, Taubman has been telling all of its tenants that they expect them to pay because they're going to have to pay their lenders and pay utility bills and so forth, and they'll hold them to it. In other circumstances where you've got a dominant tenant that makes a building otherwise not commercially viable and that tenant can't pay, then I would very much expect that the landlords would try to work with them. The circumstance here is unprecedented because it potentially impacts not every tenant, but a vast majority of tenants when you look up and down Fifth Avenue and Madison Avenue at all the closed stores, all the vacant office buildings throughout the city. It's a situation no one's ever seen before. Wendy's is deferring rent payments on properties leased to franchises by half over three months. Can other businesses afford to take that kind of a hit? Is that a solution for some businesses but not others? It may have to be. I mean, people can only pay what they can pay. And the law can step in in some circumstances, legal doctrines, I should say, and try to help folks out. So if your cash flow is interrupted, then it may be that doctrines like temporary impracticability make it impossible for you to continue to pay on down the stream. So if you're relying on a tenant paying you to pay your lender, for example, that may be a circumstance that excuses your payment or at least gives you some basis for a forbearance. What other legal concepts might come into play here? A variety of different legal concepts. 
that apply to circumstances when a contract unexpectedly can't be performed or is extraordinarily difficult to perform. So impossibility is the extreme where you can't perform the contract at all. The example is where an opera house burns to the ground and the opera singer can't perform. Impracticability is short of that. It's one where, in theory, you could because you can always, in theory, pay money. It's not impossible, but you don't have the money to pay because the way that the contract is structured is it's coming from a particular source. Courts can be sympathetic to that, particularly if, if it's a temporary situation. The other one that comes into play here as a broad legal doctrine is called frustration of purpose, which is where you engage in a contract for a particular purpose that everyone understands, and you can no longer achieve that purpose. So if the idea is, you know, you're renting Madison Square Garden to put on a concert and can no longer occupy the garden because of government regulations, well, the entire purpose of the contract can't be fulfilled. So those are the legal doctrines that can step in quite apart from particular clauses and leases. Is this a time when courts might be more sympathetic to tenants rather than landlords? It's a great question, June. The courts are very accustomed to seeing commercial lease disputes, and it's the landlords that are typically repeat players. So they have their game well honed and and leases that are crafted to protect them. Here, I do think courts are going to be unusually sympathetic. The courts themselves are really under tremendous strain. So in New York, courts are closed for everything except what's deemed essential business. And they're handling cases on a remote basis. So I think you've got a circumstance where courts are going to be quite sympathetic to tenants, particularly if what the tenant is looking for is some kind of temporary relief until the crisis abates, at least to some degree. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? 
With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Another question I have is, if there are you know, mass defaults on commercial leases, how much can the courts do during these times? It might overwhelm the courts at a time when they're not really doing much. I, I think you're absolutely right. What you've got, uh, courts really with judges not showing up, with lawyers not appearing, they're doing what they can to try to handle essential disputes. And I think um, they will expect parties to be patient uh, certainly, if you know, what I read in the Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago is that half of small businesses in the U.S. haven't paid their rent uh, or made their mortgage payments uh, for April. I think that problem accelerates into May uh, because you, what you've got is people who are paying now to avoid what are sometimes pretty draconian penalties in their leases, um, but they're just not going to be able to continue doing that. Uh, and the courts can't handle that kind of volume, uh, and, and they're not going to. And in, uh, in New York, uh, in California, uh, they've both uh, either authorized gov- local governments to do it or, or indicated that they're not going to proceed with commercial evictions in the short run, um, looking at that on like a three-month basis. That may continue, and certainly you can't expect courts to handle uh, thousands and thousands of cases on anything like an expedited basis. There are so many unknowns here, but even if landlords succeed in evicting someone, how do they get tenants in this environment? It's a great question. Uh, look, that's, that's a commercial question. They're going to have to be thinking about what do they replace it with. Um, that, you know, sort of uh, at some point they they may turn from being landlords demanding rent uh, to being partners trying to figure out the best way to restructure a difficult situation. And it's often better to get some rent than to get none. Governor Cuomo has said that tenants can't be evicted for the next few months. Does that apply at all to commercial tenants or is that just residential tenants? No, uh, uh, my understanding is that uh, commercial tenant evictions have been paused. It doesn't mean that um, that they uh, have gotten governmental relief in terms of um, actually paying their rent. Um, but I think courts are, uh, my understanding of executive orders, that courts are not going to be uh, conducting commercial evictions over the next 90 days. And so those disputes will just continue to brew. Um, so in some instances, because, the, as I mentioned, there are penalties and leases, tenants may continue to pay as long as they can under a reservation of rights. We're seeing some of that. Um, in others, like the Cheesecake Factory and H&M examples that you gave, uh, they're not, they're not going to pay, and they're going to take their chances and see what happens. Uh, but I don't think any of those will result in immediate term evictions. Is there any relief from the federal government or the state government, for example, the CARES Act? Is there any relief there? Well, as I understand it, there's $350 billion that has been devoted to small business loans. Um, Obviously, there are a lot of devils in those details. Um, But uh, but I don't don't know that it's directed specifically towards um, 
uh, towards payment of rent, but I think that's the the idea is it's a, to uh, keep small businesses afloat so that they can pay their rents. And some, you know, landlords are taking the view that well, you know, you can either look to the government for help if you can't afford the rent, or you can look to uh, business interruption insurance, which is a source of recovery for some businesses if if they're fortunate enough to have it. Um, but you know, we expect that our rent is due because we have our own obligations. So. Uh, if that's, um, you know, what I've also read is that only something like a quarter of landlords or banks are offering any kind of rent reduction or deferral to the small businesses that can't pay. Uh, that's a pretty big looming collision. You know, if half the, half the businesses aren't paying and only, um, you know, half of those involve landlords who are willing to compromise with them, uh, then, then there's going to end up being quite a lot of disputes. What kinds of calls are you getting from your clients? Sure. So we're we're talking to uh, you know commercial tenants. Uh, so we're talking to you know I won't divulge any client names. But we're talking to household uh, you know name uh, retailers. We're talking to um, Fortune 500 type companies. You know large employers that uh, have a need for massive office space. Um, candidly, we also talk to uh, landlords, we talk to REITs, we talk to um, uh, commercial brokers, um, you know, across the landscape uh, of what they can do. Uh, and, you know, these are uh, frequently very tailored situations, uh, and it depends, you know, how much their cash flow is hit and how much their business is hit and whether there's any degree to which the property uh, can be salvaged or put to to other use during this time period, so it's a it's a case by case circumstance. Um, but we're seeing it as a problem from every direction. Uh, lenders, uh, you know, the um, actual commercial landlords, and of course the tenants whose businesses are, are completely disrupted by this. You have this reverberating effect or cascading effect. So the landlords, are any of them already coming up against problems because they can't pay their loans? Well, I can't say I have seen that quite yet. They've talked about it as a potential problem. Um, and, you know, the, the large uh, commercial landlords may be uh, well capitalized, but a lot of buildings are structured in a way where they're held in special purpose vehicles. So it's sort of a self-contained economic unit, which relies on, uh, you know, relies on rent to be paid. Uh, that's going to be funding in turn uh, what the commitments are to the lenders, uh, what the commitments are to if there's a master lease on the property, on the ground lease, owner, what the commitments are for utilities, for taxes, and so, and so forth. Uh, so there may be uh, circumstances where, you know, despite the health of the uh, commercial uh, landlord, that the particular property uh, has business risk associated with it. And that all depends on um, how tight the economics are of that property and, and, you know, how long this crisis goes on for. Uh, buildings may, you know, certainly survive a month or two or three, uh, you know, at some point, uh, the building, you know, the building economics itself uh, may not survive. 
How do you handle this when you don't know how long this could take? I mean, every day it seems like they're adding another week, another month on to how long we'll be, you know, shuttered, which means that business activity is low or nil. Yeah, no, it's it's an impossible situation because you no know, one has a crystal ball in terms of how long uh, this crisis is going to keep everyone sheltering in place. So it seems like the markets are, you know, frankly paying more attention to the daily uh, press conferences of Governor Cuomo than almost anything else because they're trying to get a handle on how long uh, we're going to we're going to live like this. Um, you know, all hermited to ourselves in our homes, and and there being, you know, no. Uh, commerce in a, in a lot of sectors of the economy, at least none remotely like what we're used to. So that's, you know, that's almost impossible for folks to predict. And, you know, it's a circumstance where, <clears throat> frankly, either landlords and tenants are going to be working with each other um, and working with lenders uh, to try to come up with short-term resolutions, or uh, there, there's going to be a lot of brewing disputes and where push is going to come to shove is you know where you've got the tenants who absolutely don't have the ability to pay um, will just stop paying, and um, you know and then the dominoes fall from there. When can landlords claim their property has been effectively taken by the government? You know there is this uh, concept that's Im- embedded in the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution of a taking by the government. The government cannot take your property without giving you just compensation. So the classic example is eminent domain. They decide that they're going to uh, condemn your house in favor of building a highway that's needed for you know, public use. And then they just have to pay you the market value of your house. So what happens if you have uh, some government restriction that diminishes the value of your property but doesn't quite destroy it or that temporarily makes it unavailable? There are concepts in, in some jurisdictions of regulatory takings. So the idea that government puts a constraint on your property that greatly diminishes its value or its use. And those have both, you know, potential effect of uh, making claims against the government in certain circumstances. I would think this would be a difficult one uh, since this is, you know, the government exercising its police power. Or it can be ones that uh, trigger uh, rights under the lease. So uh, casualty clauses under leases uh, have language frequently that allows for uh, non-payment of rent in the event the property is uh, destroyed. Uh, some of them have uh, much more broad language that includes uh, the property is uh, impaired uh, or that the property has restricted use by virtue of a government regulation. Uh, and in those circumstances, uh, that may well be a basis uh, for tenants uh, to not have to pay, at least on a temporary basis. Thanks, Andrew. That's Andrew Rossman, a partner at Quinn Emanuel. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, 
and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.